1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Beautiful day, lots of sunshine, some clouds mixed in, breezy, 79 for the high. Clear skies tonight, low 58. Tomorrow, we'll do it again. Plenty of sun, high near 79. Maybe we'll touch 80. Phillies lost 10-8 to the Angels yesterday. A couple of bright spots, including Bryce Harper's 15th home run on the year, including number 300 of his career. After the game, he talked about the fact that he was disappointed they didn't win the game, but he certainly appreciated the opportunity to hit that milestone home run in front of the Phillies
3: fans. Being able to do it at home and in front of these fans, you know, there's nothing like it. You know, I, I'm very fortunate and you know, very blessed to put this uniform on each day um, with feelings across my chest. And, you know, I'm so thankful that, uh, you know, me and John were able to sit down, you know, in 2019 and you know, after the 2018 season and, and get something done. And um, like I said, you know, I'm, you know, very fortunate to to have a long-term deal and play this game for a long time you know hopefully I'm able to do it for you know even longer than you know what my contract looks like right now and just you know I I just I love being a Philly I mean plain and simple it's uh it's something I dreamed about you know just really you know this fan base this uh this city I just I love them I I really do plain and simple um I feel like I'm part of this family and they're part of our family as well and there's just there's nothing like it I mean it's uh I go on and on and mean, everything's, I pander a lot, but it's real. I mean, it's, 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 it's so real. It's, it's from the bottom of my heart. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm just thankful to, you know, put this jersey on every day.
2: It's Bryce Harper of the Phillies, sound courtesy of MLB.com. Trey Turner had a couple of hits, including a home run, his 19th, also his 30th double on the air, knocked in three. Nacassianos, three hits. Brandon Marsh with four walks. Make of that what you will. Phillies are at Milwaukee tomorrow night at 810. With Zach Wheeler on the mound, they are off tonight. Eagles getting ready for their season opener at the Patriots a week from Sunday. Jordan Maulata, their left tackle, talked about how he feels about the recent cuts as the team finalized its 53-man roster and how some of the guys he was practicing with no longer on the team.
4: We had a day off yesterday, so I haven't gotten a chance to see all the guys who uh, went undrafted or or late-round picks that made the team. Definitely an appreciation there, but also an appreciation for guys who didn't make the team you know I just I'm very grateful that I haven't been in that position and I can only imagine what the guys are going through but all I can offer is just the best of luck best wishes and always here for you it's all I can do I mean not what they want to hear they want to hear that they made the team and so i mean during that time it's hard to be empathetic for guys who have made the team when you've gotten so close to the guys who haven't made the team and that's always this period yesterday is such a dark day and you hear many players talk about it such a dark day in the league and uh you know there's only so much you can do and say
2: it's jordan my left tackle for the eagles sound courtesy of the philadelphia Eagles YouTube page. Also, on the Voice of the Martyrs scoreboard, we have 16 listeners who have stepped up so far in the early going to help out in our partnership. We're looking to send Bibles to the persecuted church, our brothers and sisters around the world. And while you are welcome to do as many Bibles as you want, the number we're actually focused on is how many people can be involved. Our goal is 120. We're at 16 already. It's a good start. One Bible, $6 to help 800-998-3505, 800-998-3505, or click the Voice of the Martyrs banner at WFIL.com. Scott Wilder with Voice of the Martyrs joined our program earlier in the week and talked about this very thing.
4: It's about the number of hearts that we are wanting to connect to our brothers and sisters over there, it's not about how money, much money, it's not about what you give, it's about that you give, it's about that you participate. And so we celebrate every single one. You know, that we heard the story before in church that, you know, the, 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 the chorus of, of praise rings from one end of heaven to the other. Uh, every time one person comes to Christ. It doesn't matter if that person has lived a relatively sinless life, a little six-year-old or seven-year-old that comes to Christ or someone that's a 56-year-old or 57-year-old has lived a debaucherous life or even a murderous life. In the case of Saul uh, that comes to Christ, uh, the, the, the cheers that ring out across heaven are not greater. They're the same because it is one person who was bound for a Christless eternity in hell, and who will spend eternity with Jesus, with the Father, with those who have called on the name of Jesus. And so in the very same spirit, very same way, we're not talking about uh, how much you do. Uh, We're talking about that you are a part of it today.
2: Scott Wilder with Voice of the Martyrs. And again, the number to help, 800-998-3505. One Bible, $6. Are you in? 800-998-3505 800-998-3505 or click the Voice of the Martyrs banner at WFIL.com. Again, we're at 16 listeners so far looking to get to 120 and we can certainly go beyond that but let's get to that 120, shall we? A couple of special guests on the program today actually several.
0: Is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor in the house? I'm a
4: doctor. E-
2: Yeah, We'll kick off things with Dr. Vern Poitras, esteemed professor at Westminster Seminary, and his son, Dr. Ransom Poitras, esteemed in his own right. They are actually teaming up as part of the Westminster Conference on Science and Faith, The Miracle of Man, September 29th and 30th. We'll chat with them about that in just a little bit. Also very much looking forward to having Michelle Tafoya join us. She's an NBC Sports reporter for many years Primarily a sideline reporter for NBC Sunday Night Football. She's a highly decorated reporter and has her own website, MichelleTafoya.com, and a podcast you can catch on the Salem Podcast Network, which is part of our parent company's one of their many endeavors. So we'll chat with her about her craft of sports uh, commentary and, and reporting. As well as the different experiences she had, and as she covered the Olympics and many other things too. Michelle Tafoya joining us on the Tim DeMoss Show this hour as well on AM560WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. You're listening
1: to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560WFIL and at WFIL.com.
2: AM560WFIL, it's The Tim DeMoss Show. And uh, we occasionally have, uh, you know, guests on our program who have, have done higher education, doctors and people with lots of degrees and, uh, and all of that. Today, we actually have two such uh, gentlemen, Dr. Vern Poitras and his son, Dr. Ransom Poitras. How are you both doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm doing, doing great. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to hear from you both. Uh, I actually have a, a, a history with your family, because uh, uh, I guess Doctor Poythress. At one point, you were at New Life Church, and uh, I gr- I've grown up there my whole life.
5: Yes, we were members. So. Yeah. I remember doing, remember doing Sunday school there as a little as a little kid there in uh, in Glenside. Wow.
2: Well, Doctor Poitras, I can't I can't even technically say Doctor Poythress because you're both Doctor Poythress. Should I go go Doctor Vern and Doctor Ransom? Maybe that's the way to go about it. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, so Dr. Vern, folks will know you, of course, also with your work over at Westminster Seminary. Which, so just share a bit about your, your background, and we definitely want to get into the conference that's coming up, too. Okay.
6: Yeah,
7: my background was originally uh, in mathematics. I love mathematics. Um, I was a Christian believer from an early age, and then I became interested in theology, went to seminary, and now I teach New Testament at Westminster Theological Seminary.
2: The mathematics angle is interesting. My father was a a professor of philosophy, but also a math teacher, and I actually majored in math at Penn State, switched to math education. And um, uh, did you love mathematics as a as a science specifically?
7: Well, yeah, was it was I loved all the sciences, but particularly mathematics, and and went and got my doctorate in mathematics. And that's one reason, actually, that. We, why we have a conference on science and faith? Because I'm comfortable in both on both sides, and so is my son.
2: Okay, and and uh, Dr. Ransom, point this: you're uh, where after you kind of you know grew up in the locally, and then you went out and uh, you, I understand you're up north in Massachusetts area. Is that right?
5: Uh, I'm in Western New York, which is is still north-ish. Uh, yeah, it's been a quite a interesting journey for me as well. I was blessed as. as you can imagine having grown up in a home with a father who was exceptionally well trained both in math and theology, and then uh, my mother also has a, a doctorate from Westminster in church history. So there was never any shortage of uh, help and assistance with with homework uh, in pretty much any field we wanted. But from there, I actually I went uh, into kind of the secular arena. I did my undergraduate degree in biology. At uh, California Institute of Technology or Caltech in Southern California. And then my PhD in molecular and cell biology and biochemistry at Boston University. And then I I came back home and did a master's degree in counseling at uh, Westminster Seminary before moving into teaching. And so I teach, I'm a biology professor at Houghton University, which is a, a Christian, evangelical Christian. University in western New York, about 70 miles south of Buffalo, and so I'm entering into my 10th year of teaching there.
2: Wow, that's great. For those just tuning in, we're chatting with Dr. Vern Poitras and his son, Dr. Ransom Poitras, and the big reason we wanted to have you on today is the Westminster Conference on Science and Faith, September 29th and 30th. Uh, I would just say real quick up front. I understand people can come in person or live stream. There are advantages to being there in person. But just before people, we, we share about it, uh, or you, uh-huh. you guys share about it, that people will understand. It doesn't matter whether you could go or not in person. You could still benefit from it. But go ahead and uh, take the floor and share about what this conference is all about.
7: Well, the title this year is the Miracle of Math. Every year, it's about the interface between science and the uh, Bible and theology, because that is a challenging area where people are feeling stresses. But this year, the focus on who are we as human beings? And uh, you know, a lot of the culture is saying you're just a product of chance and random motions of molecules, rather depressing, but but that leaves us with no purpose. But the Bible says we are made in the image of God, that's Genesis one twenty six. And we're made purpose. God has a purpose for our life. And he has a future for our life that goes even beyond this world. Very different. So that's a crucial area. And what we have in the conference are both people from Westminster Seminary who can address what the Bible teaches. And I'm doing some of that. Uh, And then we have people from uh, Discovery Institute who are trained in various sciences, and some of them are gonna get into details about the human body. There's remarkable mechanisms in a human body that show God's design and the overall character of who we are and how we we fit into our environment on Earth. There's so many things that are a, a source for praising God. So we hope in this conference to show the real compatibility between the best science, not distorted by the assumptions that we're just random molecules,
2: you know I'm thinking as you're speaking there, I guess primarily believers would be coming to understand further and maybe how to counter we're just a bunch of molecules uh conversations, but also at the same time, if a person who's listening in is not necessarily a believer. Or, they're, or maybe even skeptical, if they're truly open, maybe they could even attend the benefit as well.
7: Oh, they're certainly welcome. It's true that we mostly, uh, most of our attendees are of Christian background. We get some Jews as well. We get various people, but uh, we welcome everybody. Uh, and it's important because I think a lot of people are really not hearing that there are minority views as over against the view that we're just the product of
2: chance. Yeah. Dr. Vern Poitras and Dr. Ransom Poitras are guests today on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. I guess, uh, Dr. Ransom, on the science side of things, since that's what you do for a living, too. I actually peeked at the schedule a bit, and I saw that you are on a couple of times on Saturday. In fact, at one point, you and your dad are are at schedule at the same time. How do people decide? (laughs)
5: Well, it depends a lot on, on interests, and we certainly understand that. Part of my fascination and excitement with being involved with the conference now, I've been involved for a couple of years, is that sometimes amongst uh, Christians, but also amongst the, the general populace, there can be a uh, a sense of this idea that science and Christian faith are at odds, that there's a tension there between these two things. Uh, and that somehow we have to be afraid of science or afraid of Christianity or that these two things don't really mesh together. And I like how Dr. Byrne used the the phrase compatibility. I also like to use the phrase harmonization. But one of the things in my career that has been most exciting, and one of the reasons why I'm so excited about speaking at the conference is that I, I think there is real connectivity, real harmony between what we see in science and, and what Christianity tells us is true about, about the world and about, about humans. And from my own perspective as a teacher, that's part of what I'm trying to get my students excited about too, is to show them like, we can, we can study science as Christians and do that really, really well and do that with uh, confidence that, you know, we are going to find these beautiful connections, these wonderful harmonies that both help us to understand God better, but also help us to understand ourselves and our world better. And that these, these two things are really kind of uh, talking together and, and cooperating because it's it's God who's responsible for both the creation of the world and the creation of us. And uh, there's just perfect harmony there. And it's just a matter of, of finding it and discovering it. And so our goal is to try and get people excited about that as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask you about the, there's a lot to unpack and and you do over those two days. Again, if you're just tuning in, we chat with Dr. Vern Poitras and his son, Dr. Ransom Poitras. The Westminster Conference on Science and Faith. The Miracle of Man, this year's uh, focus, September 29th and 30th. And you can find out uh, more at uh, discovery.org, slash e, slash Westminster. On the site, it mentioned the conference explores the uniqueness of human beings in relation to God, to human society, and to physiology, biology, paleontology, and genetics. Special topics include the image of God, remarkable physiological systems, human sexuality, the future of humanity, the threat of totalitarian science, a Christian approach to teaching STEM and the relation of the brain to the mind. So there's a lot there for folks to partake in if they go to the conference, whether it's in person or online. But one thing I, I believe I picked up from as I was read through the material is you don't have to know all of the big words you guys do, but you'll present them in a way that people can understand if they're not already scientifically inclined or, or, or theologically trained, so to speak.
7: That's right. Uh, all the speakers are aware that we've got a diverse audience and, uh, I've been impressed with the people from Discovery Institute who are trained scientists, and I know my own son enough to know he's the same way, that, that they are able to explain the science in a way that is accessible, but nevertheless faithful to the complexities of the things they are studying.
2: On Friday, I guess, Dr. Doctor Vern, you had the first session kick things off, The Miracle of Man and the Image of God. Could you share a smidgen, you don't have to give away, the, give away what you're talking about, the whole thing, but is there a little angle you could uh, drop in and let people know a bit of what you're hoping to share that night?
7: Yeah, it's this, that I believe the whole universe testifies to the glory of God, that's Psalm 19 and Romans 1, and the reason why people don't see it is that they suppress the truth, that's Romans 1:18. Yeah. So so... Part of the context, but in all these things that show, uh, that testify to their maker, to to God, uh, man is in some ways the pinnacle, uh, because he's made in the image of God, and if you want to see God is all, you look at man. But of course, we're we're corrupted too, yeah, right? Yeah. But there are so many things: so the fact we have personalities, the fact we have a moral sense. The fact that we know things, you could go on and on. And I'm going to try to go on and on a little bit in
2: terms of saying, just look at the ways in which we're so remarkable. That sets the table for the conference again, Friday, September 29th. There's a question and answer plan I saw on the agenda, which sounds great. Chance to go back and forth. Uh, And then on Saturday, both of you on the schedule, Dr. Ransom, you have in the two o'clock area, there's um, one called Teaching and Learning STEM a Christian approach. Can you maybe just, uh, uh, like your father just did there, just to share a minute, a, a bit about what your general uh, where you're going to head with that? Or th- main thought.
5: Yeah, sure. So, so for uh, people who aren't familiar with that terminology, STEM is an acronym for science, technology, engineering, and math, and uh, it it tends to be a discipline that is a lot of times approached from a very f- fact heavy kind of way of teaching there's a body of knowledge that you need to know and and be able to understand and manipulate Uh, and it can seem very dry in terms of a like uh, a christian approach versus a secular approach it's just all the same it's just you just you learn these facts and that's all there is to it and so i'm going to try and uh, try and make the argument essentially that there's a specifically christian way of doing this that i think actually Uh, Is superior to a purely secular way that can get to the bottom of it and can help people not not just learn you know a particular set of things, but actually point them to uh, to honor and glorify God more fully, and that we, as a result of doing that, can also better understand and appreciate those things that we do study. Uh, And so I'll talk a little bit about trying some of the theory and some method, and then give give an example of what that might actually look like in in a classroom and, and try to get people excited about um, what does it mean to, to study and teach the sciences in a uniquely and specifically a Christian way and show that that's possible
2: and can be done really well, I, I hope. I love your answer, and it actually dovetails into something I had uh, in mind, if I could ask each of you, because of the studious nature, I suppose you would call it, of the work you have both done and the the education you've achieved and the books you've written and all the papers and stuff. There is that intellectual component to things. And I think probably a lot of freedom also comes from that as you are able to put things together and study and learn. Uh, But how do you, uh, each of you uh, just kind of letting your hair down, so to speak, think about what all of this means to you as a human being, God's love for you, what you see around the world, separate from uh, even just as you were saying there ransom uh, the uh, you know the the facts and figures the numbers and all of that what that where that leads to you I guess from on a heart level
7: yeah that's a great question and um, when I was growing up and so interested in mathematics I struggled over it because I wondered whether, I loved God more or I loved mathematics more. I knew that I ought to love God more. But I had no one to tell me that the beauty of mathematics is actually a manifestation and reflection of God's beauty. Mm. I had no one to tell me that things belong together rather than fighting one another. So it actually helped me personally. And I've seen some of that with other people as, you know, I've talked to them with a greater understanding of the science is something we do because God made a coherent world. And and he made us to be able to understand his mind to some extent when we see the way he's governing the world. So it's it's so much more personal for a Christian than for a scientist who thinks he's just staring at and things that have all no ultimate meaning because there's no God behind them.
2: Wow. I love that. That's great. Uh Dr. Ransom, how about you? Any thoughts on how it just plays out personally on a heart level? Yeah,
5: again, fantastic question. I love the, the use of the idea of the word personal because so much of science from from a non Christian perspective is by almost by definition impersonal. And um for for me I'm reminded a lot of of Kepler and when he wrote and he wrote about his discoveries in the sciences and some of the things he did in astronomy he would have these sections in his writing where he'd be writing some very technical stuff and all of a sudden there'd be a pause and he uh he would put in basically a prayer of praise to God and it's it's this beautiful picture of how these two things are intimately connected to each other and how as we understand the world, whether it be cosmology and astronomy with Kepler or biology, the more we understand, the more we can see the beauty and ingenuity and love that God has for us in the way he has created us, in the way he has designed us. And then that draws us back to him. It pushes us back to him, pushes me towards worship uh, and not in a pantheistic sense of just kind of this is, you know, cool stuff, but the way in which it's, it's this very personal design for us that we, we see in our, our creator God. And so I like to be able to study and then turn it right around to thank you, God, for for who you are, who you've made us to be and who you've revealed yourself to us in the things that you have made. And so it's it's really drawn me closer to him and strengthened my my Christian faith as I as I study these things.
2: I love it. I love it. That's a great answer as well. And, uh, and and really, it's encouraging to know that both of you, that's where your hearts are at, that they go hand in hand. It doesn't have to be one or the other, the information or mm-hmm. what you're studying, and certainly having it uh, tied to everyday life and your heart and certainly to our creator. So that's really well said. Yep. Uh, folks, just tuning in, we're we're concluding our conversation with Dr. Vern Poythras and his son, Dr. Ransom Poythras, both speaking at the Westminster Conference on Science and Faith, September 29th and 30th, uh, 2023, in person or live stream. Uh, whether, Of course, if you can be in person, there's some benefits to that. And one of the benefits I understand, because you both have, I, I, I don't know how many books everyone's written, but um, will you have books of yours on hand or maybe one that pertains to the conference specifically?
7: Right. And there is going to be a book table. Okay. Uh, with And there will be books from... Many of the speakers, um, I know some of mine and some of Ransom's, but uh, the other people as well. So okay. and and discounted.
2: <laughs> okay, that's good. So that people can look forward to that. And uh, last observation, maybe based upon what you both just shared, simply the notion that a person who's going first and foremost might be going because they're trying to understand. I guess if you said historically, uh, most of the time believers, or at least someone who's conservative, is, att- is attending, and they're already agreeing in theory with what you're going to present, but you're going to expound more, fur- you know, further and more deeply on it. But I'm also thinking that there are people who could come, who maybe who are believers, but haven't actually, or or even just someone's conservative, anybody really who hasn't necessarily thought about the tension between. Is uh, the, the miracle of man versus are we just molecules? But they could, but and they may haven't really thought about it too much. But they could still benefit because they're learning. Uh, they're learning the same information anyway. If that makes sense, would that be true? So coming to a worship service almost through the back door.
7: Uh, yeah, I think you're very much right, and and I think uh, the, one of the things about our living is it tends to be fragmented. And and being in communion with God means there's one God at the center and then everything else begins to be integrated.
5: Yes, that's good. Yeah, it's it's possible that many people don't even don't even realize what a difference it can actually make because they, they've either spent so much time in the public education system or something like that. And so it's possible that that you, you think of, oh, Christian education is the same the same material with you know a devotional sprinkled on top or <laughs> right. something like that yeah yeah and 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 they just don't even know that when you when you really start with the Christian perspective and it is uh, infiltrates and is spread throughout and f- foundational for what you're thinking it actually makes a big difference in the way that we think about things and so hopefully it would be kind of an exploratory, but also uh, enlightening and enlivening opportunity for people who haven't been able to see what a big difference that can make uh, in their lives and in the way things are presented and taught.
2: That's great. Well, uh, I, I appreciate taking you guys, both of you taking time today to talk about, again, the Westminster Conference on Science and Faith, the Miracle mm-hmm. of Man, September 29th and 30th. And uh, I gave a website on earlier discovery org fun slash e fun slash westminster. Is there another site as well that I should be letting folks know about or is that is that the best one would you say?
7: well I'd say discovery if they just do that and then click on events
2: okay they'll get the same uh, result. Okay, that sounds good. Can I ask each of you one like, like a bonus question that's not necessarily at the conference, but considering you both have taught so long, my dad, my dad was a teacher. He had this philosophy of teaching. He would share with me. I'll give you one because I'd like I'd love for you, each of you, if you wouldn't mind, just share one thought about effective teaching. And I'll tell you one as you think on that. My dad told me he used to give open book exams when he was in college, and he said, "This is." forty years ago. And he said, Tim, people cram all the time. He said, you can get the material around you. And this is before the internet. Tells you how long ago that was. But he says, Do you know what to do with the information? So he always tried to teach that's one of the things about being a teacher, open book tests before they were a thing. He he that was what he all pretty much all he did. Uh, so anyhow, but you either of you have a thought as you've taught and things you've learned over the years as SARS as effective teaching and communicating?
7: Yes. Well I teach a course on hermeneutics; it's principles for studying the Bible. But I keep stressing to people: look, you've got to be able to use these things. So it's not
5: a matter of memorization.
7: Uh, so, so I think that it agrees very much with your father's approach.
5: Okay. How about you? Yeah, from my perspective, I'm still still young, as it were, in the uh, in the teaching arena. But the the attitude that I have found has been most helpful for me is to think about teaching. Primarily as a learning experience, which is, is somewhat ironic because we're supposed to be helping others learn. But this, this continual growth mindset of I, I can't, and it's not static. It's not like I've mastered this content and I am done. It's the same way with Christianity too, right? You're never, you've never kind of got it all, right? You, we're continuing to grow in our love and um, love and relationship with God and. As teachers, we need to continue to learn and grow as better as better teachers and learn our students and model what it looks like to learn just as much as we're trying to teach in the classroom. But modeling that is becoming, I think, increasingly important uh, and evidently more and more important to our students as well.
2: That's great. I appreciate you taking time to answer that. It's a, you both have done a lot of teaching. I know certainly Dr. Vern for many years and Dr. Ransom for a number of years now, too. And uh, I was going to be a teacher actually a math edu- a math teacher, and I wound up going into radio instead but i if i hadn't done radio, math teaching would have been a wonderful a wonderful thing so uh, and maybe you never know right There's still still time but uh in any well, case-
5: ra- radio is its own kind of teaching though it it's its own it's its own thing we we're all we're all teachers in some way shape or form um yeah. And so I think I think what you're doing here has is, is been a real blessing to many and uh, it's certainly learned a lot as a result of your program. And so we're really grateful for its uh, ministry and outreach.
2: Amen. Amen. I, I love to do that. And I love having people on who know a lot more than I do so that uh, people can learn from them. You know, no, just know where to point, people. You come in here, I'm like I'm at the information desk. Go over there, go over there. You want this, you want that. <laughs> so that's part of a big part of why we have this show, and hopefully to be a blessing, and certainly the conference uh, coming up on the 29th and 30th should do just that. Thank you so much for your time, each of you. I hope we get to have you on again sometime. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. God bless you. It's Dr. Vern Poitras and Dr. Ransom Poitras the uh, Westminster Conference on Science and Faith coming up September 29th and 30th, The Miracle of Man, The Focus. You can find out more at discovery.org. Just click events and you can find out more about that. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com and on the WFIL app.
1: Thanks for tuning in to The Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: AM 560 WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. And we're glad to bring on board Michelle with one L. Tafoya, Hello.
6: <laughs> how are you doing? Thank you for that. I appreciate your acknowledging the <laughs> correct spelling. Yeah,
2: michelletafoya.com. You can look her up, uh, all sorts of things, but we want to talk about your podcast. Before I get to that, uh, f- folks will know you from many angles, certainly with your your sideline reporting but you've covered a lot of sports so just take a second you know if you were introducing yourself to someone who'd never met you and you were kind of giving them a little bit of an intro to the career you've had uh take whatever direction you want with that
6: well i would say that i used to i recently retired from covering the nfl and the olympic games for abc sports um covered the nfl previous to that for espn and abc um, <laughs> my career is longer than i like to admit <laughs> Um, it's, it was really NFL-centric for a while. It was nba centric up until about 2008. It was purely the NFL sun- Monday Night and Sunday Night Football. So I've been really, really lucky to be on some of the um, the, the biggest you know football shows in America. And um, and and then I re- retired basically so I could talk about other stuff because there's a lot of stuff in the world I'd like to talk about.
2: Your, your craft, uh, because if folks go to michelletafoya.com, they will see some very high praise. Folks like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, uh, really that, that, that does not come by accident. And the work ethic you must have had and have had and still do, uh, just talk about your craft for a moment, if you would, how that developed over time and even knowing when you're done. You know, you, could, you have to have a cutoff point somewhere, but- Anything yeah. important to you as you, specifically that kept coming back time and time again? I need to do these things if I'm going to be excellent at what I do.
6: Yeah, just prepare, 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 research, go through all the tedium that the job requires. I think some people think you show up the day of the game and you kind of stand there, watch the game, and report on what you see. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. We spent uh, During the football season, we worked seven days a week. And a lot of it is, how did we do the last game? What did we do well? What didn't we do well? Let's go through the tape, and the tape doesn't lie, and let's decide what worked and what didn't, and being self-critical. I think, too, the the question I got asked more than any other is, you know, what is it like to be a woman in a man's world? I I hope that that question stops because it is no longer a man's world, uh, the NFL, clearly. There are a lot of women involved, officiating, coaching, training staff, owners, um, you know, it it goes on, broadcasters, it goes on and on. Now, it wasn't necessarily that way when I started, and so I decided rather than to put a chip on my shoulder to just say, you know, I've got to compete with everyone, and that's what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to think of myself as, you know an, oh a little woman in a man's world I thought of myself as a journalist in a journalism world and I was going to compete with every journalist I was going to do everything I could to be as good as I could possibly be that means acknowledge your shortcomings and uh, acknowledge your strengths and 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 try to improve both your shortcomings and your strengths all the time yeah. so it you know it was, it's just constant and that's that's kind of how I'm built and uh, you know I'm just constantly doing stuff to to get better in every way that I can and that certainly was how I approached that job and I certainly got a lot of great guidance from people like Al Michaels and Fred Godelli, our great producer who just went into the NFL Hall of Fame won the Pete Rosell Award just last week and Drew a our director, who's also in the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. And John Madden, I was lucky enough to work with him. Hmm. And so, you know, I, I worked with the greats. I mean, the all-timers. And you can't help but learn when you do that.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you that, Jerry. You already answered the question, which is great. Because even things like being critical of yourself or like, and not in a bad way, but like, how can I be better? That could be, yeah. somebody might want to be soft on themselves and say, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I, I, I mean, well, I'm, I did this well. And that's important. That sounds like a really, you know, key part of also making sure you keep improving.
6: It it really is. And we demanded it of ourselves. And it was not always easy. It's uncomfortable to watch yourself on camera when you've made a mistake. It's uncomfortable to watch yourself back knowing you could have done something better. But that's the only way that you're going to be better the following week. And it was not let's get better this season, it was let's get better today yeah. and then tomorrow and then the next day, and it was constant. And that was part of the culture of our show, Sunday Night Football. And so, um,
2: yeah, it was It was just uh, we all held ourselves to really high standards. Folks, tuning in, we're chatting with Michelle Tafoya, michelletafoya.com online to find out more, including the podcast, which we're going to get to in a second. I said one other question because you did, in addition to the NFL, of course, the Olympics and college basketball, the WNBA, many things, Did you love doing that, like uh, take the challenge, relish a challenge, or is there a party that would prefer to stay in one main thing and keep, you know, because I would think it's harder than it looks. It's not just knowing the sport. It's knowing the best way to cover it too.
6: Yeah, no, it's a really good point, and that's true. And um, I would love I got to do some play-by-play in the WNBA, in men's college basketball, women's college basketball, and by doing the play-by-play role, I learned more about what would make a good sideline reporter and how that flow should be between the whole team. So that was really productive for me. I liked the challenge of everything. I'm telling you, I covered table tennis at the Olympic Games in Sydney, Australia. I covered rhythmic gymnastics. I have covered uh, the Yale-Harvard regatta. I've covered boxing in Texas. I I mean, I, I covered so many different things. And it's not that I loved every assignment, but I certainly did learn a lot about people, about how to work, about how to learn, about how to prepare, about how to study, and I made a ton of mistakes along the way, but, and some of those were harder than others, and they wound up just being really good scar tissue that prepared me for,
2: for e- every ensuing day. You've moved into this Michelle Tafoya podcast, as you were mentioning near the beginning of our chat, for reasons that uh, you can ex- expound on here. Especially, I'm sure you've had this question leaving something as high profile and enjoyable as working for NVC sports but at the same time I'm sh- uh, that there's a there's a, a boldness I think that you have to to make a decision like that and the courage to do it. Uh, so just share what kind of went through your mind and why and, and what you're doing now.
6: you know it was several years ago really my mind started changing a little bit on 9/11 um, when I just saw this place that I love attacked and it was at a time in my i was brand i was newly married um i was living away from my immediate family Uh, i had a brother living over in london and we bonded over this you know we're calling each other across the ocean and just talking about what the heck was going on and i i started really looking into what this all was about what it meant what the history of this country is what we stand for the mistakes we've made all of this, and I, I just became very um, passionate about stuff outside beyond sports. And while you're working at, you know, the Olympic Network and, the, and Sunday Night Football, you don't want to court controversy to those shows, and I understood that. So I really picked and chose what I tweeted about, what I, the, the appearances I made outside of my job. And there was a, a lot of mutual respect between me and the people at NBC to whom I answered about what I should do, what I should speak about, maybe what I should stay away from for now. And it got to the point, I think it was 2018, I gave my notice. I said, I, I, I just have too much to say. I can't, mm-hmm. I, can't not, I can't not be in this conversation. I just have too much to say. I'm, it's going to kill me. And that was 2018, and they said, "Well, could you just stay, get us through our last Super Bowl, and one more Olympic games?" So I did, and you know, so then when I did that last Super Bowl in Los Angeles, where the Rams beat the Bengals, I knew walking off that field that I was done. And uh, and and it, people ask me all the time if I miss it, and there are certain things you miss. I wish the world was perfect, and I could just focus on the NFL and football. Yeah. But we are far from that, and I just, I have to be one of those, I just, it's not like I think I'm that influential, believe me, but I can't sit on the sidelines and watch. I just can't. It's, um, I've been given too much in this life to say, to turn my back on the culture, on the country, and on what it means to to live here. So it's something I'm really passionate about, and that's what I try to, to do in my podcast, just to elevate some of those topics.
2: The nuts and bolts of the podcast, and of course, by definition, podcasts can be kind of as you have the opportunity, but do you have a fairly yeah. disciplined schedule for how you're trying to accomplish what you're trying to do?
6: Yeah, we we record uh, four days a week, and we drop four days a week. So some of them are, you know, we pre-record, and we push, push them out a few days or whatever, but we do drop one Monday through Thursday. Um, you can find them on Spotify, on Apple, uh, on YouTube, because we are audio and video, and um, so, yeah, it is a pretty disciplined schedule, and um, it's, it's – how do I put this? It's, it, you're not going to see a super high-end podcast here. We're not up there yet, but we are talking about the issues that really matter to me, and we'll see where it goes. Um, this is fairly new still, and I'm still working at this craft, but, you know, I spent a lot of years in radio, and this is very similar, as you will attest, to just being able to carry on conversations, to do in-depth interviews, in a way that you hope captivates your audience and, and has them interested in in learning from someone different. And so we do have some big name guests. I've had Al Michaels and Tony Dungy and Bob Costas, but we also have, um, you know, guests people who are out there in the world trying to do stuff and just they need a, a, a platform for elevation. So um, yeah, it's 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 an adventure every day.
2: The Bob Costas interview I saw. And I think he embodies perhaps one of the things I, from my, what I understand is very important to you, the ability to have a conversation with someone who does not agree with you completely across the board, and yet it can be not only civil but beneficial to both sides, and you can still hold to your position. It doesn't come across as, well, whatever you believe doesn't matter. It does matter yeah. still, right? Yeah. So
6: Yeah, it does. Uh, Bob is a classic liberal, and that's very different from the illiberalism we're seeing in America today. So he can have conversations, and you can find common ground with Bob. Um, whereas I've I've appeared on other podcasts or had you know guests who were completely at odds. What what is important is to listen and to try to be respectful of one another's opinions, and maybe even say, you know what, I was wrong about that, or you know what, um, I, I'm willing to listen a little bit more. At the same time, I look, I'm far not along enough in my life where I do know my values and I'm very committed to my values. And um, I think, I think what's so unfortunate right now and what's going on is people think if you're conservative, you are only one way. You think only this way. And if you're liberal, you think only this way. And it's, you know, look, I'm a conservative, but I'm Um, pro-choice. I have a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things. So yeah. you know, and, and people who say that all women collect—god, that's so untrue. It's just not the case. So I, I'm I'm sad that this identity politics game is being played. It's not the sandbox I want to play in. I just want to talk to people.
2: Yeah, I remember from the interview, Bob said you can be a liberal without demonizing others, and I think he also used the phrase you can hold two two truths in your head at the same time. I think mm-hmm. it's about the police, where maybe there is needs to be reform, but there's a lot of good work going on too, courageous work, and just that reasonability was is so you can go so much further than typically what's happening and say on social media often oftentimes yes
6: yes it is very stark on social media and and that's and I I understand how people get sucked in um, I I just you know so all I can try to do is present an example of what it's like to talk about stuff in a civil way, uh, yeah, I'm going to be opinionated and you're going to hear from me. And, and you may not agree with my opinions. Uh, but I, I am going to, I am going to be open-minded. I am going to talk to people who are a little bit more extreme than I am and just sort of go, huh, that's interesting. And, you know, I'll let you have a voice. I may not agree. What I've been disappointed with is the very few people on the other side of the spectrum who are willing to come on my podcast hmm. and I wish they would, but um, you know, that that's been a disappointment in time.
2: Maybe maybe in time, hopefully before I forget, hopefully. Michelle, one thing I think is great about just talking with you is you don't say the word, um, and <laughs> <laughs> the detail, but I noticed I'm gonna, this.
6: I'm going to laugh. I'm going to tell you why I'm laughing about that. Cause I've been guilty of that. And my brother will text me and say, I listened to your podcast. There were a few too many ums today and so I really do work on that but I think when you're you know when you know what you want to say you can say it but trust me I am guilty of the um just as much as anybody.
2: That, well you're doing a great job from what I've seen and I think I think there's such a good thing having a pause is good too. You're allowed to collect your thoughts it doesn't have to be because I I have some interviews with people where they're great people great guests but it's a little distracting the ums or the slurred words kind of they're thinking out loud I'm like you don't yeah. have to make a sound every time you're thinking something. You can just pause. It's okay. Right.
6: <laughs> so. right. It's, uh. you know what? His master of letting something breathe like that is Al Michaels, the best he's ever done. And when you watch a game that Al is calling, you will hear something where there is just breathing room.
2: You don't have to talk all the time. So, hmm. yeah, I think that's important. That's great. Michelle, thank you for taking time with us today. Hopefully we can have you on again down the road as your podcast develops and, We'll, uh, we can chat some more. So, uh. I would enjoy that. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. God you. bless you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Michelle Tafoya, NBC Sports reporter for over 10 years, primarily as a sideline reporter for Sunday Night Football, but has done many other things, including cover the Olympics, the uh, college basketball scene, and much more. You can find out more about her, the podcast she does as well, the Michelle Tafoya podcast at michelletafoya.com. It's Michelle with one L. Last name is spelled T A F O Y A. She's also available on the Salem Podcast Network. Salem is our parent company, has many endeavors, including the radio station you're listening to right now, salempodcastnetwork.com, also where you can find Michelle's podcast and many others. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app.
1: Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues.
2: AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. As we wrap things up, don't forget, it's the last day of the month and as such, a number of things we're doing. Go off the board at midnight tonight. One of those things, our Ministry of the Month, Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. He has a new book coming out called The Christian Manifesto, Jesus' Life-Changing Words from the Sermon on the Plain. There are other prizes you can win. Get entered by midnight tonight. We actually had Alistair on the program recently, and he talked about getting a start and how radio, uh, as far as that, ministry came to be. He's been on WFIL for 14 years, and the ministry itself has been on quite a bit longer than that. First in Scotland,
4: I was uh, with no prospect of radio. And then here in the States, I had no thought of that either. And it really came about as a result of the initiative of who was just a, a young man at the time. And now he's a grandfather who runs the radio program here, Bob Butts. And he made essentially a nuisance of himself amongst people, suggesting that his pastor might have something to say on the radio. And and so I always say that it was his vision, but it's my voice. And that's really the way it's been for all this time. And the invitations that we were given to be able to broaden the base of things has obviously catapulted it to a level that none of us ever imagined at the beginning.
2: Alistair Begg, Truth For Life, WFIL's Ministry of the Month for August. Again, enter to win his book, The Christian Manifesto, by midnight tonight. You can catch a program weekday mornings at 5.30, also 5 p.m. Coming up here in just a few moments. Thanks for listening in. Have a wonderful evening. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL.